0: It's game day in the valley, and on today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll break down three key areas that will need to go the Suns' way for them to win game six. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member. Covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Getting ready for game six on Thursday night, if you have not already, hit follow or subscribe to get this show on your podcast platform of choice in your feed every single day. Become an everydayer, get everything you need to know about this team: news analysis, off-season moves, everything right here on Locked on Suns. You can also follow along at Locked on PHX Suns, where you get your seven words or less game take. You get to get in on the conversation after game six. Look out for that tweet to get involved with this little community we have. Thousands of people listening a day, so I really appreciate all of you. But we have a big show to get to. It is game six. For better or worse, might be. Well, it would be for worse. We don't know for sure. Very well could be the last Suns game of the season. We'll talk about if it will be. Obviously. We have three situations as the YouTube audience can see in our rundown: Chris Paul situation, the center situation, the role player situation. We're gonna talk through all three. Those are the the three, to me, key areas that we're gonna need to see the Suns address in order to win this game. As Devin Booker said, after game five in Denver on Tuesday night, both teams have all the answers. There's no there's no new information. There's no hidden adjustments, right? Maybe some new players break into the rotation. I don't even think we see that. It's really just who can win, who can get the job done, who can execute, who can play harder, who can win in the small margins that the games are often decided on, who can execute late in these games. All of those things are going to add up to does the Sun season live to see another day and make moms all over Arizona and Colorado incredibly mad at all of us for watching basketball on Sunday. I think you and I both hope it does, but... That remains to be seen. Let's talk about Chris Paul first. I'm recording this before Chris Paul's injury designation has been released. Uh, I have a bunch of other work obligations on Wednesday night, trying to cook dinner, all these things. So I don't know exactly what his designation will be, but I'll tell you this. I would imagine it's no better than questionable. And I very well think we might not see Chris Paul play in game six. I know a lot of attention has been paid toward him just because he's the obvious looming thing. The Suns lost the two games they played with him, so it's not as if him coming back is a magic charm that will then allow them to go, go ahead and, and dominate Denver. That's not going to be the case. <clears throat> I said a few games ago, or a few days ago I should say, that I might not even play Chris Paul in Game 6 if the Suns had won Game 5. That maybe feels like a little bit of an overreaction, I will never know. What they would have done or what would have made sense because, well, they lost game five. But I guess a better point to maybe make now is if he does come back on Thursday night, playing off the bench feels like the most logical outcome. Talked about on the recap show, which the everydayers heard, you can go back and listen to from Tuesday night into Wednesday morning about Josh Okogie not really being in this rotation anymore. I think we could very well see Landry Shamit start over him in Game 6. In fact, I would expect that to happen. That's what happened in the second half of Game 5. Unless Monique throws a real curveball, plays somebody we're not expecting in that spot, and changes how they've defended Jamal Murray pretty dramatically, I would think it would be Shamit. I could see that happening and Cameron Payne continuing to start in place of Chris Paul, even if Paul is active. The Suns need to play with pace. We know that. And I also think playing with Chris Paul off the bench allows you to be a little bit more patient, see what he has before you decide how much to involve him in the game, if that makes sense, right? Like I could easily see a game where Chris Paul maybe plays eight minutes in the first half, but something like 20 in the second half, right? Because if you start him, his rustiness, his passing up of shots, whatever, that whole process is happening in the early stages of a do-or-die game, right? Whereas if he comes in, let's say, to start the second quarter or the very end of the first quarter, you can set the tone in a different way and you're not trying to ease him back at the same time that you're trying to slam on the gas in a game that obviously goes without saying is a must-win, right? And all of that is to say, again, you could very well have a second half where he shows himself to be healthy, comfortable, effective, and he becomes effectively a starter, you know, in the second half and plays. I, I could see them doing it that way. If he plays, Denver has places to hide defenders, right? That's one of the the nice things about this matchup is Denver is, is an offense first team. They are a physical team. They are a big team. But between C- Contavious Caldwell Pope and Christian Brown, those are two guys who one of them is going to be on the court at all times and Chris Paul can easily go stand there. Those guys aren't incredibly involved in the offense and you can you can put your 5'10 injured point guard. I don't know if he's 5'10, 5'11, whatever. Injured point guard on those guys and not fret too much, right? The biggest thing truly that I feel like Chris Paul might bring if he's able to be effective in this game, the number one way that I might think he that I that I think he might affect this game is as a shooter, as a confident, effective, spot-up shooter. And not just spot-up, right? We've seen him have these moments where he doesn't take the three when it's there, but he dribbles into a pull-up two. Whatever it is, that type of confidence and decision-making and aggressiveness as a scorer when the moment needs you to be a scorer is something that a lot of these Suns role players just don't have. They're either, you know... In the case of Landry Shaman and even T.J. Warren, sometimes a little too hesitant or deferral, uh, deferrant. And in the case of Terrence Ross, maybe a little too aggressive at times and not so balanced with what it is that they do on offense. Chris Paul's a good middle ground where he's going to make the right decision between pass and shoot most of the time. And even if it's frustrating that he doesn't always take those threes, you might get a game where he goes into it with the mentality knowing he has to, even if he doesn't take the three most of the time. That possession is still going to end with a pretty solid shot, rather than you know Landry Shamit passing up a three and getting stuffed at the basket, as we've seen, or Terrence Ross jacking up a three with the greenest of green light, quickest of quick triggers, and sometimes that not being the best end to a possession, right? So Chris Paul will be a better, a better pathway on offense than some of those guys, and I really think that's what it is. I don't think you want to put the ball in his hands overly, uh, too much. I'm not willing to to talk about that there's going to be some sort of dramatic change in the effectiveness of DeAndre Ayton in this series. We're about to get to the centers here next, so I'm not going to sit here and say Chris Paul running pick and roll and, and all that. I just think that would be too much of a change-up from what you've been doing and what's been working for the Suns in this series. It would, be, it would get everybody out of rhythm to go far in that direction. So coming off the bench, being more of a spot-up player, see what he has in the first half. That's my expectations for Chris Paul if he does play. I don't know if he will. I don't know how much we'll learn prior to warmups and pregame lineup announcements ahead of game six on Thursday. We're probably going to have to wait until then. Next, centers. DeAndre Ayton, Jock Landale, maybe small ball. We'll sift through the options facing the Suns next first. Today's show, guys, brought to you Buy eBay Motors, just like in championship teams. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit at eBay Motors because they know it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors. With their eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your car to My Garage on the site and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices at ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply all right we are Talking about centers, and I'm going to do this again in as delicate of a way as I can. I'm not going to beat around the bush, though. I thought DeAndre Ayton was fine in Game 4. I want to say that because I feel like in Game 3, DeAndre Ayton was ridiculed a little bit. People were way quick to jump on him in terms of what he did getting benched in Game 3, and then, oh, he's squeamish, he's shy, he's nervous in Game 4. I know he short-rimmed a shot, I know he rushed a free throw the first time he got to the line in Game 4. I thought the first half that he played in Game 4 was very solid. The second half, um, you know, ended up being more of a scoring show. I don't don't recall, that was the game where Joker had 53, DeAndre making a huge impact, but I thought first half he was solid. First half of game five, I think you would say he did his job uh, to a degree, right? He got some offensive rebounds. He, if you're just judging the result, you know, Jokic missed a bunch of shots. Now, of course, you can always say, well, he got good luck. He just missed them. Okay, well, that's fine. But you wouldn't have said Aiton had a bad first half in game five. Either he also was aggressive offensively when the ball ended up in his hands. He at least took the shots that were there. I think he took six in the first quarter, five or six in the first quarter. But it's impossible to ignore the sour taste that Aiton left in every Suns fan's mouth with the way that he ended Game 5. I thought that his second-half defense was atrocious, just really bad, really, really bad. And he's a huge reason that Jamal Murray got back on track to start that third quarter and why Denver Denver pulled away. Again, the everydayers who listen to the recap show after Game 5 on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, they heard me talk a lot about that third quarter stretch when the Nuggets went from being up three at halftime to up 20 in an instant, in six minutes or so, five, six minutes. Aiton is also not punishing Denver as a role man. I know you would sometimes say that the Suns aren't looking for him. Obviously, we know that that's, we know that that's obviously true. And uh, sorry to the YouTube audience who saw my blurred up face there, it's back. It's obvious the Suns don't always look for him on the roll. I don't know if he's earned that, whatever. Conversation for a different time. But the point is, even when he catches the ball, he's not making the most of his opportunities. The shots he took in that first quarter of game five, I'll give him credit for taking them. It's better than a turnover. It's better than a bad you know, pass late in the clock, whatever. Uh, ending the possession. Sometimes you just need to shoot if the ball lands in your hands. But he was taking floaters and middies again. That's not what he's out there to do. Sometimes, if you want to punish the defense for being at the level, being in drop, whatever, sure, you got to take those to keep the defense honest. But six DeAndre Ayton mid-range shots and floaters in the first quarter, that's obviously not a great recipe, and I think he made only two or three of those. I think Ayton is about equal to Jock Landale as a rebounder right now, even in his best games in this playoffs. And they're really, with all that said, there is no great case to prioritize DeAndre Ayton. Now, let's move to Jock Landale as we're talking about the centers, okay? Because realistically, just because he's the other guy and he's had some some solid moments where he's affected the game as an offensive rebounder with his hustle, whatever it is that you have liked about Jock Landale, he's not going to be a huge difference maker over 30-plus minutes. It, I just don't think that's going to happen, right? He's... He would be, uh, I don't want to say game-planned for. I don't think that the Nuggets are going to make stopping Jock Landell a huge part of their game plan. So there's always going to be those opportunities for him to impact the game sneakily by just using effort and, and things to be unpredictable. But even if he's not going to be the game-plan focus, if you're playing 30-plus minutes, the defense is ready for you, Right. It's very obvious when Landell steps out on the court at this point, he's gonna to try to hit the offensive glass. So whoever's on him, probably gonna be a little more careful to box out in those minutes, right? We know he runs the floor, so they're gonna be watching for him, right? Like all these little ways where you can do things that surprise the defense in 15 minutes don't always extend over the course of a lot of minutes, right? And so that that means he's not, he's not gonna start. They're not like Monty's not, that would be first of all not worth it cuz it's not going to be that big of an impact second of all the um, that's just something that is a cardinal sin as a coach like you cannot bench a player like DeAndre Ayton in, in a in a game 6 even if unless it was just overwhelmingly awful obvious sorry that he needed to be benched there's no way to do that think about how much attention it got in game 3 a game the Suns won that Ayton just didn't play the last 5 minutes you can't you can't not start him so I also think this might be a game we finally see the Suns send a little more help at Jokic, if only to mix up his coverages, especially early, make him be a little bit more of a passer, see if those role players test them early in the game to see if they make their open shots, help off of Aaron Gordon more aggressively, help off of, uh, I guess you would probably go to Kentavious Caldwell Pope next. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is, to me, the most concerning guy to get hot so i would maybe avoid that but send help from pope send help from gordon make jokic pass it to those guys see if they knock down their shots and so that'll help too no matter who's out there i think we could see Ait- i think we will see and start but i think we could see Landale and him play about equal minutes which leads us to the last possibility here which is small ball okay and again as i've emphasized <laughs> repeatedly this week and devin booker put so well There's nothing new that's going to happen. I'm not bringing up some revolutionary concept that you could play Durant at center, that you could go to small ball. And with that said, it would feel like a shock to me to try it in a game six. Okay? I think it feels drastic, but obviously your season is on the brink of ending, so on the verge of ending. So you maybe do, you of course need to be drastic. It's not so much that it's like, too much change for the sake of change or anything. What I mean when I say drastic is, I don't know if the Suns know what their best KD at the five lineup even would be. And the other important thing here, because I know there's been a lot of chatter about Durant having his moment, right? And I've done that show already, so that's why I'm not focusing on it today. You might think focusing on Chris Paul and role players and center is silly, but... Again, we know what the battles are going to be. We know all the coverage options. And so when I say drastic, it's that. There's also this other part of it with the Durant side of it. The reason I don't think it's smart to emphasize him as some sort of savior possibility here, I think it's going to need to be Booker, is he can't seem to create off the bounce at this point. All right, and so I think there would be, I would want to be careful if I'm Monty Williams building out a lineup with Durant at center if they choose to do that. Even though you're going up against Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon, whatever, the Nuggets give you that opening. It's not so much that I don't think they could match up size-wise, it's that I don't think they have a stylistic, they don't have a scheme developed when when those lineups are out there. And I know I'm repeating myself, so let me just say what I mean. Cameron Payne, Chris Paul, those guys, they would need to be out there to handle the ball. I don't think you can say put a bunch of shooters around Durant and just let him dribble. One, you're not making use of the five-out stuff quite as much if you have the ball in Durant's hands. Part of what's special about a lineup like that is you want to use KD's gravity, which means the ball in somebody else's hands. Maybe you get it to him to attack a a broken-down defense or you use him as a screener and popper, whatever, but you don't want to just have him dribble the ball up They're just going to help off the shooters and try to clog the lane, make him a passer, make him a dribbler. And again, that's when you run into the issue. So with all of those things swirling around my head, that's why I have some hesitation. What I will close with saying on this note, as far as centers go, I would stop short of thinking Monty does something quite as drastic again as starting Landale. Again, also because I don't think that makes that big of an impact, but we have seen Monty be desperate. We have seen him be aggressive in these elimination situations. If you think back to the 2021 finals, Frank Kaminsky all of a sudden playing in game six, right? Game six and seven uh, against Dallas, the Suns using Mikhail Bridges as a screener, right? Where he's, Monty is rifling through all these options. They're taking Aiton out of the game as a roller. They're blitzing, whatever Use Mikhail as a screener who can catch and make... Like, all that stuff. Do you remember? That is the type of thing we've seen Monty Williams do. And so it would not be crazy to me if he kind of plays that final chess move and does something a little bit dramatic and drastic. I guess it's just sort of, what do you think that chess move is going to be? Is that chess move going to be, let's say, starting both Shamit and Warren? That's one. Is it going to be, you know, playing Durant at center against those lineups? Is it going to be... (laughs) I don't know, right? Like there's all these, is it going to be just like hard doubles at Jokic? Like there are all these sort of wild card desperation moves. I think we will see some of them. I don't know if Durant at the five will be one of them. Next up, the role player situation. I'm going to rank who I trust from most to least and what each of these guys needs to do to have the Suns be put in a position to win this game. We'll do that after one more quick break. Closing out the show, getting you ready for game six on Thursday night in the Valley. Let's start with T.J. Warren as we rifle through these role players. He is the guy that I trust the most. Again, we're going most to least on the trust metrics. Matrix? What am I doing? Matrix, sure. Index. Confidence index. T.J.'s at the top. What does he have to do to impact this game and put the Suns in position to win? I would say start him, which is what I mentioned at the end of that last segment. I would say start him, but I doubt Monty is that aggressive. He has front-rimmed most of his jumpers in this series. What happens if he makes a few, right? He's been pretty aggressive, you know, I would say. He's getting, even if he's not taking the three, he's not really passing it up. He might just take the... turn down the 3 and and step into a you know one dribble pull up mid-range jumper or floater or something he's gotten fouled on a few of those when the team isn't ready for his physicality but what if a, what if a couple of those jumpers just go in i think that changes the the tenor of the game especially in that first quarter if he can come out hot that would go a long way to me he's key for that but he's also key if they want to mix things up against jokic as we saw in the last play of game 4 when they put TJ on Jokic we've seen him stop Aaron Gordon in the post he got a steal against Gordon who went when AG started to isolate in game five so that is something where you could see maybe TJ guarding Jokic in certain situations or being the helper because he he does have that size and physicality he's important if they do want to play small if Durant at the five does happen you would imagine TJ with absolute certainty is going to be in those lineups and I also think he's a good part of them playing fast you know I don't know how much Payne and Warren have played together, to be honest with you. It feels like a lot of TJ's minutes come when it's Book at point guard, but either way, Booker's been pushing the pace as well, so has Durant. TJ's a guy we know can finish in transition because of his size and touch. Number two is Landry Shamit. I think you could go either way with him and Terrence Ross here, but... I'll start with Landry Shamet. Monty trusts him to guard Jamal Murray, and I think Landry has competed hard on that end. Whether you think it's been effective in the end, uh, at the end of the day or not, he has fought. It's always a toss-up whether or not he's going to take shots. There's nothing I'm going to say now to predict one way or the other on that, but again, similar to TJ, if, if, if Landry takes a few of those and they go in, we know how different that game can feel. The last thing I'll say is we're talking about the potential re- return of Chris Paul and, okay, does campaign play in that case, who I'll, I'll get to in a second. To me, the, the ball handling part of Landry Shammott is, is very overrated. I know that there were times in the first few playoff games that the Suns played where there was this idea that Landry needed to be out there for the lineups where Booker was theoretically the, the point guard, the initiator, because Book can't take the ball up the court every time. I hear that. I understand it's tiring. I understand you can, you can uh, press him. You can double him early at the half court line or all these different things. And, and there's, that's not great. You know, I understand the need. I don't think it needs to be shammon, right? That's kind of where I'm at. Like that can be, can Be mixed up, it could be Durant, it could be the whoever the actual point guard is, it even could be TJ Warren. We saw Jay Crowder bring the ball up for this team last year, so if that's kind of the main reason you have Shamit in a lineup, I think you cannot have Shamit in a lineup in favor of, for instance, Terrence Ross. Questions for him, points key, key emphasis points for him can he stay hot after making a few threes late in game five? Very similar to the other two guys I've already talked about. If he gets hot early, if he can make some shots. The series, the game, feels a lot different. The Suns actually had him on Jamal Murray at times, right? So I think the reason in theory you don't want Terrence Ross on the court is that the, he's going to be exploited defensively. He probably still will be if, he, if, if the Nuggets have time to react to it. But they had him on Murray at times in game four. And Murray actually ran screens to get Ross off of him and get a switch on to Cameron Payne. That doesn't mean that Ross was going to shut down Murray. That doesn't mean that if Ross becomes the weaker defender out there and there is no uh, Cameron Payne to pick on, that Ross doesn't get picked on too. But at the very least, it feels like, yes, he's limited athletically. Yes, he is you know, in his mid-30s. But I don't exactly feel like if a, if a team star scorer is trying to get off of you that you're some sort of like pushover defensively that needs to be buried on the bench. I would always rather go down with someone who will shoot than someone who won't. Again, we don't know what TJ will do. We don't know what Landry will do from a confidence standpoint, but we know Ross will shoot. So if those guys get squeamish, if they miss a bunch of shots. I would probably lean Ross just because, you know, he's going to take them. Next up, Cameron Payne. If he plays, he has to continue attacking the basket, not just taking threes, not just pulling up, but try to drive, try to create in the teeth of the defense, find hit-ahead opportunities, take open threes, yes, but round out your game. Get to the basket. Maybe not always looking to score, but paint to great, as Monty always says. You know, get into the paint, spray out to a shooter that's going to be a way better shot than a surprise pull-up three. I know that's part of Payne's game. I understand he has the green light there. I'm not even really complaining about that. It's not one or the other. It's both. Defensively for, for Payne, As we were just talking about with Ross, accept the switch on to Murray if he wants it. Compete from there. But don't, at all costs, which we did see in Game 3, in that run in the beginning of the third quarter, Game, sorry, Game 5 at the beginning of the third quarter, after Payne got switched on to Jamal, we saw him then accept the switch onto Jokic. That can't happen. That's an automatic two points. Maybe three if you foul him, right? Like, you you cannot have Payne on, jo- on Jokic. That's not ever going to go well. I'm not sure if Payne plays. I think there's a role for him if, even if Chris Paul plays, but the rotation is a little bit of a gray area because a lot has changed since Chris Paul went out in terms of Shamit and Warren and even Ross playing, now Chris Paul comes back, what are the trickle down from there going to be? Last but not least, well, it is least, Josh Kogi and Torrey Craig, I don't know if they're going to play in this game. They're both out of the rotation as of the end of game five. I've seen people calling for Torrey Craig to me, and I've said this on the show before, TJ Warren, even on defense, is giving you 80% of what Craig would, 80% of what, Ish Wainwright would 80% of what Josh Okogi has. Although I know Okoge is a little bit different because he guards guards instead of bigs and forwards. So maybe that's separate conversation. But as far as Craig goes, Warren is solid enough defensively that it's not worth bringing Craig out there. And I trust TJ more offensively. So I don't think Craig is going to be some surprise return. It wouldn't destroy me and, and surprise the heck out of me, but I, I would not guess it. And I just think there's not really a role for Kogi in this series if he's not going to make a huge difference defensively and he's not really offensive rebounding and whatnot in the way that you would want him to. That'll wrap us up. Game recap after game six Thursday night for the everydayers. Good or bad, we'll be here. Just like we were last year, just like we were the year before that. If you've been listening that long, uh, you know I might, I might lose a few brain cells and go on a few rants if things don't go well this week, but point is, I'm bringing you the good stuff every single day, and uh, you're not going to get it anywhere else. All right, listen to Locked On Sports today. In the meantime, get caught up on everything going on around the whole world of sports, and I'll catch you guys on Thursday night.